You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. What does Christmas sound like in your home? Think about it real quick. What does Christmas sound like in your home? Uh, maybe you got a whole lot of sound like a, I want a this, I want a that, right? Maybe Christmas in your home, maybe it sounds like Christmas song, singing, ornament, hanging, movie, watching, lots of candy, eating. Come on, everybody, right? Online shopping, all my money spending. Credit card charging, anybody? Christmas light looking. Hey, we got a, uh, on my street right now, we're trying to take over the whole, you guys remember Manning Street? Yeah. Come on, anybody, come and talk to me for service. Where you at? You guys remember in Ukaipa Manning Street? Like, okay, so they've not ever, there are still some, I mean, you'd still drive Manning Street. There's some good houses to look at in Manning Street. I recommend you do it. But our street's been trying to take over the whole Manning Street experience. Uh, and so we got like the lights are going to the music and the, we, we got just a cul-de-sac right now happening. And um, there are so many Christmas light looking people that are coming by. And I, I, I love it, except for when I'm backing out of my driveway and I'm about to hit people. Uh, that's happened twice now, everybody. So I'm thinking I'm gonna pull my car in backwards from now on so I could come out nice and safely, taking a note from Tatum's dad, John, who parks backwards everywhere he goes. All right, so... Is that just the old guy thing? Is that an old guy thing? Well, now I am doing that, everybody. By the way, can I pause for a minute and tell you, like every infomercial that comes on right now, I don't know why, I'm about to turn 47, and every infomercial right now is like, it's like, like canes and stuff and for walking, and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, everybody. Like, why is that happening? I don't even know. It's just, a, it's a different era. It's weird. It's kind of weird how they hunt you down. They just know. And I'm thinking to myself, my knees have been hurting a little bit. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, back on track. So what does Christmas sound like in your house, right? Um, for some of you, and I just want to throw this out because it's the reality and I can't pass this over. For some of you, Christmas isn't, isn't all fun. It isn't all Christmas singing. For, for some of you, there's a lot of pain associated with Christmas, right? Man, there's just some people that you're missing, there, there's, there's, there's just some hurt inside of, of you as you approach this holiday season. Holiday season always seems to, to intensify that, that, those memories and that the pain a little bit. And, and Listen, what does Christmas sound like in your home? I, what I want to do in this series is help tune our hearts to heaven. Like what, what does Christmas sound like from heaven's perspective, right? What, what, are, what are we supposed to, what are, what are our hearts supposed to tune into? Almost look at it like this. If I could tune in past the static of everything going on around the holiday, past the static of everything going on in our world, in our nation, and in our politics, and in our, in our own lives, if I could tune past the static, what I want you to understand is that, that there is a sound, a distinct sound of Christmas that comes from heaven that God intends for us to tune our hearts to in the middle of the season. And, and not just the middle of the season. It's meant to carry us through every season. I hope to, hope to show you that as we learn what God intends for Christmas to sound like. Do you know what God intends for Christmas to sound like, friends? It's not spending and shopping. Although, guys, that's not bad. I'm not here bashing all that. But it's not, it's not spending and shopping. God intends for Christmas to sound like hoping, like God, God intends for Christmas to sound like, hey, I, 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 could, I could hope again. 
I, I can experience hope in the middle of whatever I find myself in the middle of because, of because of Christmas. See, Christmas is meant to bring you hope. And church, we need hope, amen? Yeah. See, like we, can't, we, we can survive weeks without food, several days without water, several seconds without air, but we can't live without hope. We need hope as the foundation of everything in our life. And Christmas, and I, I'm going to show it to you this morning. We're going to, we are going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. So if you're taking notes, get ready to write really fast. Because I'm not slowing down. Unless you guys want to go an hour and a half in a message. All right. So, which I don't mind. We can do that. We need hope, everybody. Not just because someday we're going to die. But because I got to get out of bed tomorrow morning. Right? Like, I, I, we need hope. And the hope I want to talk to you about this morning is not the, the kind of hope of like, like you hoping when the boss calls you in that he's calling you in for a raise. I re, I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping I get a raise. Or, or you're, like some of you are not feeling good as a whole thing going around. I've, I have so far not caught it, but you heard it on Pastor Trey. Everyone stay away from Pastor Trey this morning, all right? Um, and you're hoping, man, I'm hoping I don't get sick so I can go on my vacation so I can have a good New Year's. I'm hoping, like, it's not that kind of hoping. Like, I'm talking about the kind of hope that gives you a sure foundation in, middle, in the middle of an unsure world. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about, listen, proper trust. Okay, you with me so far? Christmas is meant to bring you hope. Let me walk you through it so you understand it biblically. And for that, Genesis 1. Listen, before Jesus was born, okay, before Jesus was actually born, God gave his people a promise that he would be born. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang with me in the teaching portion of this, and I'll bring out some incredible application at the end. But let me teach for a second, okay? Everyone say okay. Okay. Online okay? Oh, it's online people. They all said, I heard you. That was weird. It was really cool. It's modern technology. It's amazing. God intends for Christmas to bring you hope. And so I, I need you to understand the, the timeline here, okay? So before Jesus was actually born, God in the Old Testament promised that he would be born over and over and over again. So you go to Genesis chapter 1, and everyone knows Genesis 1, God's creating. Genesis 2, <clears throat> Adam and Eve decide that they're going to do their own thing. They're going to go their own way, and they make a mess of the planet, Okay? Everyone always wonder, you hear me talk about this all the time, like people go, well, why is it so bad? What, listen, because we broke things. This is not the world as God intended it. It's the world as man has marred it. Does that make sense? So here we are with, with brokenness. Adam and Eve are removed from the garden, at least they eat of the tree of life and live forever in their fallen state. And in the middle of that, watch, <clears throat> we read right after sin enters the world, we read in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I think I have it for the... Genesis 3.15, it says this, God speaking. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Speaking, he's speaking to the, to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And now watch this. And he, do you see how he moved from, from plural to singular? I know I'm geeking out today, but just hang with me. He moves from, from plural to singular. He will crush your heel, or he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Watch this, from the very moment that sin enters the world, God begins to hint that there's this he who will come to deal with what the enemy had done. Does that make sense? Right in the very beginning, there's just this, there's just this God's got, God's got, I got you. There, there is a he on the, 
horizon, you see. Genesis 49, as you move through Scripture, you get to Genesis 49, and there's a man named Jacob who's got 12 sons, and those 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. In Genesis 49, Jacob is blessing their future, and in Genesis 49, verse 10, speaking to his son that would be of the Judea line, Genesis 49, 10. He says this, the scepter will not depart from Judah. The scepter is, does anyone know? It's a, it's a ruling staff. It's a, whoever holds the scepter is king, okay? So he's saying that the king, there will be a king that will, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he, there it is again, to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Do you see this hint here? He's saying there is a, within, as Jacob is blessing his son, he's saying within your lineage, kingdoms and kings will be passed down until the king comes, he who will be ruler over all kingdoms, who will rule forever. Just these hints of this Messiah, this hope that was on the horizon. Second Samuel chapter 7. David, uh, we're introduced to this young man named David who is of the lineage of the tribe of, of, of Judah. And David has a heart to build God a house. Some of you know the story. He wants to build God a house. Like, God, I just want to build you a house. And, and God says, David, there's too much bloodshed on your hand. You can't build me a house, I want you to be, but you can prepare for the house. And by the way, David, you want to build me a house, but I want to do something for your house. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, it says this, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so David, I, listen, within your lineage, so we're following now down to, to David, within your lineage, there will be a king who will rule Forever. And, and friends, here's what I need you to understand. Is that these scriptures were the scriptures that the, the children of Israel held on to, okay? Like in the middle of anything that they were walking through, they held on to the fact that God was going to someday deal with what they were walking through. That, that God was going to provide a, a, a king. It was these scriptures that they held on to. You see, the more God revealed about the coming king, the more hope and more expectation they would have. These were the scriptures that no matter what was going on in their lives, like no matter if they had a good harvest or no harvest, no, no matter if they were living in riches or they found themselves in a place of poverty, whether they were free or they, whether they were enslaved, it was these scriptures that they held on to, like that any moment he would come and set everything right. And there was this great they called it the messianic expectation within the heart of the children of Israel, within the Jews. That at any moment, the Messiah would show up and set things right. I mean, like when women in labor would pray that they were giving birth to he. I mean, this is, they, they lived with this. They, they, they constantly, in, in anything that they faced, and the, the Jewish people if you look at their history, they, 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 there was always opposition. There was, I mean, they're, they're the only nation, by the way, that was scattered through the ends of the earth and then gathered back together to become a nation once again. They have been through, I mean, you think of like Holocaust, you think through everything that, that the Jews have been through, in their mind even now, because they don't see Jesus as the Messiah, they're still looking for he, the Messiah, you see? 
And so for centuries and centuries and centuries, they're waiting for this he, they're waiting for this he, they're waiting for this he. And that hope burned bright within their heart, this expectation. Well, Isaiah comes along and gives us even more of a picture of what this Messiah would be like and what he would do. Everyone hanging with me so far? Come on. You tracking? So now we're starting to get more colorful, more, more descriptive. And Isaiah gives this picture of what the Messiah will do. It says, a shoot, in Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his root, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Speaking of this, he. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Watch. He will judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decides by what he hears with his ears, but with the righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decision to the poor on the earth. Next verse. Next part. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. It goes on. The wolf, watch this, will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the the yearling together. The the little child will lead them. The the cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie to, to their, their young will lie together, and the, the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. There will neither be harm, they will neither harm nor destroy all of my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the waters that cover the sea. Now pause with me. This king that is to come, and it'll make sense in a second, is going to bring bring radical peace. I mean, we got lions and lambs laying down together. We got children like like leading these these wild beasts. I mean, it's just this it's just this peace like like we've never even experienced before. This peace you could only dream of, and yet we're being told that this he will bring about this peace. And and friends, listen, the children of Israel, through all that they've been through, continue to hold on to, and at that time held on to, this promised Messiah, this king. Someday God's going to intervene. The Messiah's going to come and set things straight. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up from David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. It was this verse, come on, girl, that's right. It's this verse that gives us the hint that the one who's going to be king is actually also Lord. He's God. And these verses would, man, just keep keep filling them with hope. Keep filling them with hope. And prophecy after prophecy is given, and then all of a sudden, there's silence. I mean, it's going from this, this very nondescriptive he to this 
to this, oh, he's, he's a ruler. Oh, and, and also he's, here's how he's gonna rule. Oh and, oh, and by the way, someday under his rule, we got lions and lambs like, like hanging out together, children leading them. There's all this description and things are building and building and building and they're getting more and more excited as, as, as God's people. And all of a sudden it goes silent. And it's silent. There's no prophecy given. There's nothing spoken of the coming king for 400 years between the book of Malachi on the heavens seem to shut up. There's no new prophecy, no revelation. I mean, heaven's just silent. And in the midst of that, watch, the children of Israel just have to keep waiting. I mean, it must have felt like God had abandoned them as a nation. Like God had forgotten about them, that God had given up on them. They keep waiting, they keep waiting, they keep waiting, they keep waiting. But here's what I want you to hear, is that in the midst of that waiting, as you look back at, at the historical timeline, in the middle of that waiting, God was working. See, God hadn't, he hadn't given up on him. What he said he was going to perform, and in the silence, God was actually arranging things so he could perform what he said he'd perform. You see, it's in that silence in those 400 years that God was allowing there to become a common language so that when the gospel would come, the gospel could spread through the language. We were given Rome. Rome was one of the greatest empires, however you look at it, one of the largest empires. And they built Roman roads. And it was on those roads that the gospel would be delivered through. You see, the gospel would travel down those roads. And God, and just, that's just two examples, was arranging things behind the scenes. What they felt like was silence was actually God, God working in the middle of that silence, preparing the way, come on, for the fulfillment of his word. I want to pause here really quick and say this to you. you. You need to understand this as well. Talk about Christmas bringing you hope. Like some of you feel like you're in a season of silence. Like God was going, I got this and this and you're watching all this. And all of a sudden it goes silent. You need to understand something about your God, okay? Is that he's always working, amen? And so even in the midst of the silence, God is working. And, and often what he's doing in the silence is he's preparing the way. He's, he's making a way for everything he's already spoken over your life. It's not that God has, has quit on you. It's that God is, is working, you see, behind the scenes. He's, he's preparing. And, and some of you need to hear that today. Like, don't lose hope. Like, if the children of Israel could hang on through all those years, like, so can you. You can too. And, and so you just keep on keeping on. And for the children of Israel, ready? When the season was right, the roads are built. The language is same. The, 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 the timing is, is, is perfect. God works on a, on, a, on, a, on a timeline, everybody. He works on a clock. There's a divine clock that God works on. Even in your life, there's a clock. I mean, you, you ever go to Disneyland and, and watch the, the, the fireworks show? I mean, it, it, imagine that not being timed right. You know? This the, what makes that so Beautiful is how it's just, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then it's snowing, but the lights don't come on until that moment, you see? Because there's a timing to things. And God's got a timing to things in your life, and you need to believe that. And some of you are like, well, I, I need it now. If you don't have it now, then you actually don't need it now because God is the one who said he's going to give you everything you need. And if you, if you had it now, it might mess you up right now. And so God, you don't understand, everybody? Like God's got some timing that he's really concerned about. But at the right time and in the right 
way, when everything was set, that 400 years of silence was broken by the cry of a child, the long-awaited Messiah. God gave his word, and then God fulfilled his word. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, he says, You will conceive, speaking to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He, watch, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Oh, that's that prophecy. This is the one that they spoke of. He will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants, or Jacob, forever. To his kingdom, there will be no end. And all God's people said a good hearty amen. Amen. So what's that mean for us today, right side of the church? Come on. What's that mean for us today? Christmas is the sound of God fulfilling a promise. And I wanted to walk you through all of that so you could understand what Christmas really is. Christmas is God fulfilling a promise. Christmas is God going, I know man made a mess of things, right? But I'm going to fix those things. And he's been promising it. And guess what? As God said, so it is. Does that make sense? And there was a whole lot of waiting and there's a whole lot of anticipation and there's a whole lot of expectation. But here's what we know, everybody. God said it, he's gonna do it. Christmas is about God fulfilling a promise. Now watch. For you and I today, the fulfillment of that promise then should teach your heart to trust him now. Like the fulfillment of their hope then means that you can be assured of all that God has promised you now. Like all that you're hoping in God for now, you can be assured of. Why? He was faithful to them. He's going to be faithful to me. He was, he, he showed up for them. He's going to show up for me. You see, he came through for them. He's coming through for me. Man, oh, if I could just get you to hear the sound of Christmas. Christmas is breaking through all the static, all your doubt, all your hurt, all your insecurities, all your what nows and all your what ifs. And, all, and it says, hey, I got you. I got you. See, I am faithful God. He doesn't cease to be faithful, you see. And in that, Christmas gives you the sound of, man, hope. I'm good. Why? Because God's good. I'm good because he's faithful. I'm good. See, Christmas reminds me God doesn't break his promise. Even when it's been silent for years and years in your life, God doesn't break his promise. Can I get a better amen? amen. Because of Christmas, now let me bring it into your life. Let me bring it into your life, okay? Because of Christmas, let me talk about some of the hope you can have. You can have hope. You can have hope in the now, right now. When that child, Jesus, grew, he began to talk about what, what they call like, like the kingdom here and now. Okay, Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 17, Jesus is speaking. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right now. 
The kingdom of God is, is here, he would say. And so you need to understand this. There are aspects about God's promise, about the kingdom of God, that are available for you right now. That you, got, you, could, you could just rest in right now. You got hope in right now. You could trust in right now. Like, what are some of those things? Like, because of Jesus, right now, now I got, uh, the forgiveness of God is given to me right now. I mean, I could rest, I got hope in that. I got to have hope in that because, now, I, I don't know about you, but I got mess in my life sometimes. And I got a past that's not perfect. Anybody want to go there with me real quick? Like, come on. Like, you got, you got stuff. And, 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 and if, if you didn't have this hope that the God who promises also delivers, you'd be living around, walking around going, I, mean, I wonder if I'm forgiven. I, I wonder if I really am cleansed. I wonder if I really am, you know, going to make it to heaven. I wonder if I really, you know, see, Jesus says, shows up and goes, no, there's parts of kingdom that are for you right now, and part of that is, is forgiveness. Jesus had the audacity to walk around just forgiving people all the time. Like, your sins are forgiven. People are like, who do you think you are, God? He's like, yes, that's who I think I am, right? And he was just forgiving people, forgiving people. Why? Because forgiveness is available to you now, right now. Right now, no matter how bad it's gotten or what you've done, God through what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, desires to forgive you. What does that mean? He no longer holds it over you any longer. I want you right now to go to your deepest regret for one second. I'm just gonna look at it for a second. Some of you say, don't, I don't wanna go, this is like, go there for a second. Listen, some of you are being, being traumatized by this thing. Like you, you just feel like it's always hanging over you. And I want you to listen to me, hear this. God doesn't hold that over you any longer. From his mind, it's completely wiped out. God doesn't hold it over you any longer, and you need to stop living under it. You don't have to live under it any longer. You see why? Because right now, kingdom, the kingdom of God is available to me now, and I get to, I could walk in forgiveness. Come on, anyone grateful for forgiveness today? We at first service, amen? Like, thank you, God. I, I mean, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm washed, I'm cleansed. When you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness right now. Because of Jesus showing up, because of Christmas, I mean, I got some other things in the kingdom right now. I got, I got the presence of God is with me right now. Amen? Like I, matter, matter of fact, they said, they said, make sure, the angels said, make sure you pay attention to what you call him. You call him Jesus. Oh, and by the way, sidekick name, also known as Emmanuel, God with us. That's the whole point of Christmas. God, God's just, he's going to be with you. And when you have been forgiven of your sins, the spirit of God comes alongside and walks with you. Listen, I, I live daily knowing that I have the presence of God with me. May, I, I'm not walking this alone. And, and hey, and who's with you changes everything for you, amen? Come on, remember, that, remember the kid that would show up on your sports team? It's like, when they're there, you're gonna win. When they're not there, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. And everyone would always go, hey, where's Johnny? Is Johnny coming? Is Johnny gonna be here? Johnny gonna be here? If Johnny's not there, we might as well not even play. Like, come on, you know what I mean? When Johnny's there, come on, bring it on. Who are we going? Look, you got God on your team. He's with you now. You know what you also have right now? You got forgiveness, you got his presence. Right now, because of Jesus because of the gift of Christmas, you got his provision. Like, God said, I'm going to provide all your needs. You get stressed out. God said, just look at the birds. I'm taking care of them. I'm going to take care of you. 
I take care of the lilies of the field. I'm going I'm to take care of you. I need you to understand this, guys. Like, God's provision isn't something that's going to come. But like, God's, you're living in it right now. You're living in his provision right now. Come on. Anyone grateful for the breath you got in your lungs right now? Anyone grateful? You got a church you could come to right now? Anyone grateful like for the friendships that have been given? I, mean, I was watching our, our, our team serving at the, at the Christmas mall. I'm just, I just love this team. I just hang out with you guys all day. I just love it. I got God's provision all over my life right now. And I am grateful to God. I, got, I, could, I could rest in those things. I could put hope in the fact that all of that is available to me right now. And I thank God for the hope in the here and now. But Christmas, watch, also reminds us that we have an even greater hope than what's brought to us right now. A hope beyond the now, right? Christmas reminds us I got hope in the not yet. Because it's really interesting. Like Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of God is here now. He also gave all these hints about the kingdom being not yet. And it gets a little confusing because you're like, Jesus, is it here now or is it not yet? And Jesus would go, yes, both. It's here now and not yet. And we live in this tension of here now and not yet. Does that make sense? Because, see, Jesus started talking about the, not only the nowness of the kingdom, but the future coming of the kingdom. So in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Matthew 16, verse 27, he said this. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they had done. And so Jesus says the kingdom is now, but hey, also, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there's some, there's some not yet aspects to this whole thing, you see. And so for us today, we live in the fact that I could have hope in the now, but there's actually more than now. You see, I've got a not yet. And I live in this tension. A lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of times we, 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 we don't properly apply this to our lives. Is, is that you, you and I live in this tension of the here and still not yet. Like I have pieces and glimpses of the kingdom here, but there's so much that is still not yet. Like I have so much now but I also, there's aspects of God's promise that are, that are not yet. What happens is if we don't understand the not yet, we get frustrated because I don't have it now, you see. But there's certain things that are not for now. There's certain things you won't see now. But that doesn't mean you won't ever see them. It just means that they're not yet. See, there are places in your life where like the children of Israel, you're just going to be asked to wait. And nobody likes to wait. Waiting's hard and waiting hurts. But in the middle of that waiting, you can have hope that's as certain as Christmas. As certain as Jesus came then, Jesus will also come again. You guys, listen. There is still more to the story. Come on, everybody, look at me. Just turn on yourself some Discovery Channel. We don't got no lions laying down with lambs. We're not kids like leading, you know, lions around. It's just not happening. What is that? That's the not yet. That's like Jesus coming, you know, version 2.0, all right? 
1.0, we already got it. 2.0, still coming. Like, we're not there yet, everybody. That's, that's still coming. And watch, as faithful as Jesus was to come the first time, everybody, come on. He is as faithful and will be as faithful to come the second time. All the promises that he fulfilled the first time, and as, as strong as all that is, you can have the same assurance in all the promises that he has yet to fulfill because they're going to be fulfilled the second time. Is that making sense, everybody? And so what's it mean for you? It means that Christmas for you should sound like a whole lot of hope. Why? Because I got a God who's faithful. A God who doesn't back off his promises. A God who, who always shows up and shows out. A God, a God who always delivers on his word. A God that no matter what I'm walking through, I need you to live like this. Like I'm hemmed in on every side. Why? I got some promises for me here and now. And the things that I don't have yet, I will have someday. And I just walk around with confidence. Like I'm going to be okay. Does this make sense, everybody? You with me? Like, like watch. Thank you for the golf clap, everybody. It was great. Some of you felt good. I, I get it. I like golf claps, too. Um, listen. He is coming again. And I think when we're young, we don't think much about it. You know, matter of fact, it kind of scares us. You used to freak Tatum out, you know. I told you guys this story, Tatum watching all those Left Behind series and came downstairs, her parents are gone. That's when she gave her life to Jesus, everybody. It's like in that moment. And um, I mean, it kind of scares us when we're kids, right? A little bit like, oh my gosh, there's still so much more life to live and experience. And, you know, but as you grow older and, and some, of the, some of the brokenness of our broken planet begins to hit you, some of it begins to sting when you experience loss and you experience pain, when you got friends that are diagnosed with cancer, when you, when, when you find yourself with a diagnosis, when you lose, lose loved ones, when, when your prayers for healing, watch, don't come in the now. All of a sudden, this, this second promise begins to become the thing that brings you hope. Like, God, thank you for the now, but the things that I'm not seeing in the now, I, I know that, God, I will have then. You see, your heart, as you experience the tragedy of our world, it starts to begin to long for home. And much like the children of Israel, we, we start to live in and need to start to live in this anticipation, this expectation that, that fills our hearts with hope, you see? Friends, listen. Not every prayer request is going to be answered in the now. Does that mean we stop praying? Does that, does that mean it's, no, everybody, wait. But here's what it means is that if your answers don't come in the now, you got to teach your hearts to put hope in the then. Like, if they don't come in the now, I mean, I'm telling you, you can be assured there, there's a not yet. Like, if, you, if your healing doesn't come now, come on, I'm just talking real, everybody. You, you, you still have a then. I mean, there's an ultimate healing for every single one of us. That's as real as the moment you're sitting in right now. 
See, we, we need to recognize that there's places like the children of Israel, you're going to be asked to choose to wait expectantly. Like even through what seems to be silence, knowing that God works even in the midst of that silence. I need to recognize that although evil and sin and, and death have, have been defeated by Jesus, that there's a still a time coming where it will all be destroyed, right? There's still that day coming. And, and I can be as certain of that day coming as I am certain of the day that he already came. There's a day coming where Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through Four, and if Dustin, you come out here with me. Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That day is coming. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there, and there was no longer any sea. It goes on. I saw a holy city near Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, the dwelling place, or God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There's that day coming, right? Amen? And, and watch, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And all of a sudden, Revelation goes on and, and, and says this to us. Look, Revelation 22, 12. Look, I, I'm coming soon. Soon? God, your soon is different than my soon. God, like your timetable is different than my timetable. What do you think the children of Israel felt like? But God, he made a promise. I am coming soon. He says, hey, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they've done. Revelation twenty two twenty says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. And the church responds, watch, amen, come Lord Jesus. See, the reality is that all of us in here right now are living in, a little bit of the hope we have now and the hope we have then. I mean, come on, right? Right? Think about it. Some of us have got, some of us have got places where right now we've seen God's provision. Right now we've seen God's promises come through. Right now, I mean, come on, you got places in your life where you're just thankful. God, thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your provision. God, thank you for your forgiveness, my next breath. God, thank you for my family. What is all that? That is, that's the, the, the hope of the nowness of the kingdom, right? Thank you, God, for those. But, but you've also got, because you live in the tension, you, you've got places of pain, you've got places of sorrow, and you've got places of, of loss and of frustration and, and confusion. Man, you've got places where things are broken and things are, are missing. And it's in those places, friends, that you're going to grieve, right? But you, watch, we do not grieve as those who have no, what? Hope. I'm grieving, but I still got hope. Why? Because my hope is not only in everything that Jesus has given me now. I've got hope in the things that I haven't seen yet. And I'm going to see those things someday. As sure as he has come, he will come. 
and I could just live, listen, hemmed in on every side. I'm okay. I'm good. Why? Because God's good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. 